Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's The Weekly Show, streaming live from New York. As you can see, my COVID-19 haircut is getting even longer, so hopefully we sort that out soon. But I have a fantastic show for you this week. I'm joined by a very special guest, and we'll come on to that in a minute. Listen, it's no surprise to anybody that the new challenge with virtual events, digital experiences, however you think of them, call them at this point, is really about engagement and participation. It used to be all about attendance. Could you get people to show up? Could you get people to attend? That is no longer the case. People attending, attendance records are being smashed every week. So more on that in our live interview this week. But before we get there, I have some very exciting news. Um, we have launched our integration with Zapier. I couldn't personally be more excited about this because it's saved me an actual ton of time on the marketing side. So check it out. You can go to the blog post there. Um, head to our blog and our website. It's the Event Technologist blog. Um, it's the latest post that's been published. Um, B2B marketing tools, Zapier for SpotMe. Now, one of the things that I'm super excited about, just give you a really small example of how it's saving me time. I connected um, SpotMe to uh, MailChimp, who we use for our email marketing. And every time somebody registers for the weekly show, what it does is it removes them from the MailChimp campaign that we have going in MailChimp separately. And that's great because I'm not bombarding all of you, well, hopefully I'm not bombarding all of you with register for the weekly show and access the weekly show, which is two very different things because when you register for the show, what you wanna have to, what you wanna happen is be able to access the show with your personal profile. So by switching off and setting up this API, I can remove you from the MailChimp campaigns and send you more appropriate contextual uh, emails straight from backstage. That's a little sneak peek but now I'm actually gonna show you how it works. So the first thing you wanna be able to do is when you log into Backstage um, and you're gonna to want to be able to um, make sure that you have the right credentials to create like an API token. So click on the, um, your initials in the left-hand corner, click on your name and you'll see two things if you have the right um, credentials. If you click on the API token tab, what I'm gonna do is just delete that for you a second. Um, what you're gonna do is um, create a token. Very easy to do. I'm gonna call it test for Zapier. Uh, I've created that token. Now, here's a really important piece. This is literally the only thing you need to do on the spot, spot me end. You click copy and I get that green notification. If you want, you can copy and paste that into a notepad and then you don't lose this information because it only gets generated once. So I've finished on the spot me side. I've copied that off. Now what I'm gonna do is jump in to the Zapier side. So I've landed on the uh, spot me integrations page on the Zapier website. You can see at the top we're now on Zapier's website. There's a link in the blog post. Again, it's in the, product, in the um, this week's session notes but you can also just type Zapier for SpotMe and I think it's the second, first or second uh, entry that comes up on a Google or otherwise search. And so for this example, what I'm gonna do is I have an internal meeting and I have um, people signing up for this internal meeting. Once they've signed up, I automatically wanna send them to a Google Calendar invite to remind them. So I'm gonna type in Google and um, Calendar comes up as one of the options. 
So what I'm going to do is connect that. It then brings me to uh, a page where I can build out um, the Zap, if you will. So Zapier, it is a tool where you build Zaps, actual actions, triggers, and actions. So I'm on here. Um, for Spot Me, I just use the. Um, oh, here we go. For Spot Me, I just use the new user trigger. So I'll go continue. Okay. Here's where you need your API credentials. Mine are already stored here, but when you first come here, what you'll do is you'll click Add a New Account. That's where you input your API token from Backstage, and then you call it something. I called mine Spot Me Tom. Um, doesn't matter. Well, it didn't matter to me. It was obvious. Um, but once you do that, Zapier remembers. So you click that, and then you've, you've basically linked Backstage to um, Zapier, but now what I need to do is tell Zapier which um, event or workspace, um, as we call them, I want the new users to be added to the Google Calendar. So the weekly show, I'm going to hit continue. I can do some testing here, um, and let's just skip that for two seconds. But you can just test, and that basically just tests the connection between SpotMe and Zapier. Um, what I'm going to do is somehow I got off this, but let's go to Google Calendar again. I'm going to do uh, uh, add attendees to an event. So I choose that as my trigger. So basically, what I've said is every time somebody gets added as a user to spot me, I then want them added to an event on Google Calendar. I click continue. And here, the same process, I need to link Google Calendar, my Google account to uh, Zapier. Once I've done that, I can test it, and it will function. Just a really quick tour of how it works. Super simple to do, super simple to build. And I trust me, if you get it right, it will save you a lot of time. So there we are. That was the rapid fire spot me for Zapier. Check out the blog post. Um, if there are any questions, uh, let us know. Um, OK, now on to the hot topic this week. We're going to talk about virtual audience engagement. Now, my next guest has been a stalwart in the uh, virtual event live production here at SpotMe, helping clients deliver their events and experiences. Um, and also, he is a part-time tech reviewer on our YouTube channel. And so check those out as well. But I'd like to welcome Michael Shirillo to the, to the weekly show. Hi, Michael. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on this week. And hello, everyone at home. Pleasure to see you again. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. So let's dive into it. I alluded to this in the beginning. The whole challenge with in-person events was around getting people to attend. That is now no longer the case. The challenge with virtual events, and this was backed up by an event MB survey, the biggest challenge we have with virtual events is getting people to actually engage or participate. So, but that's great. But how should people be thinking about engagement? How are some of our clients starting to think about how to measure this, this engagement, if you will? That's a, that's a really great point. So when, when we think about making this shift, um, you know, like you mentioned, in the old way, it was completely based around attendance, getting people to buy the plane tickets, book the hotel rooms, and just fill seats at the conference. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make sense anymore we are regularly seeing events that have, you know, 5,000 users, 7,000 users, you know, uh, 2,000 users is kind of our, our generic event now when previously yeah. that would be a very large one. It's crazy. Uh, yep. Yep. 
So that metric just is out the window. Um, yeah. What we really need to think about now is using the language and tools that we have in social media, because uh, that's essentially what platforms are starting to becoming. And, and that means thinking about engagement in a completely different way. Uh, it's using similar metrics and similar ideas and borrowing from an industry that has now been going on and as uh, its own world as a separate department um, for 10 years. So the ways that we can start to think about that are utilizing those tools. One is uh, starting to consider what are the direct measurements we have. Uh, since attendance doesn't make sense, then you know it becomes what we're used to talking about with social media departments, liking, posting, uh, questions on your post, uh, engagement with that, um, downloading documents and assets, clicking on videos, watching content, uh, spending time with that content then, you know, view duration is a very important number now in social media and on platforms as they become more social media based. But we also still have uh, indirect measurements uh, and some of those are kind of from that legacy environment that we're used to. Uh, so when we're talking about indirect measurements, those are things like, you know, what's the drop-off rate in duration views yeah. or in attendance? Where do we see these gaps in the information we have showing up? And then how do we come up with explanations for those? Um, I, think, I, I think you've hit on, I like this idea of direct and indirect. And we were talking the other day, I, I think it all just, I think resetting and challenging yourself to think in that digital marketing mindset, I think is a really helpful point. At least it has been for me in like framing this up in my mind, my own mind. I think that's a really critical point. Um, I like this idea of drop off. Now, for anybody watching, I think what, well, what that means to us is you start with X number of people and then by the end, you could actually measure how many people like dwindle, if any, or you, you in, increase somehow but that's what drop off is the number you start with um minus the number that you end with so that's 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 how we're thinking about drop off uh, uh how, how do you think clients are faring though are, are they are they adapting to this mindset or do we have a mixed bag uh it's a completely mixed bag right now um you know the people who are taking over virtual events are generally the people who are responsible for in-person events um, and so there is just a huge mindset shift that we're having to see as they have to start thinking like social media departments. And overall, there's not a lot of crosstalk going on um, to really facilitate that dialogue and help drive better utilization of the tools that are out there in this virtual space. So I think that's something that when we see it working well for clients, uh, and there's a couple we can talk about that are utilizing that, that it's working very effectively. Uh, and other companies that aren't uh, and are still kind of utilizing that old framework um, are struggling. And, you know, I think that's very understandable, but hopefully we can help them do, improve that. That makes sense. So cross-pollinate some of your social media team, digital marketing with the events team and just get those ideas going direct and indirect. Okay, cool. Now, let's move on to the good stuff. Let's talk about some examples. We're not going to give brand names, so don't ask us, but I will give context in terms of the industry and the type of audience um, that was there. So the first two, we have five in total. The first two examples are just examples of how things work well. And the last three have a good and a, if you will, bad uh, element to them. So let's dive in with the with the uh, first example. Sorry. Um, example one was a, a pharma company 
They had an internal audience gather. And we've been talking about this ever since the pivot. And it's, I feel like even after the pivot, this is even more crucial. People are getting fatigued with webinars. They're getting, like we said, people sign up to things, but then don't attend or, and then especially they don't engage. So talk us through how this um, example, this company mixed up their agenda and format to make it work. Yeah. Uh, it's something we're all experiencing right now. Um, so uh, I don't know if you mentioned this was for uh, an internal audience that the company was doing it for. Um, and the reality of what we're dealing with is, again, that old mindset. So if you think about a virtual event, you wouldn't have someone sit in the same conference room all day. Even if you didn't need to have multiple rooms necessarily, no, no. event does that. No. Uh, but if you're keeping them in the same platform, effectively, that's what you're doing if the format isn't changing. Yeah. So the more that you can mix that up, the more that you can have people moving from room to rooms, the more you're utilizing uh, psychological tools like the gateway effect uh, to change people's mindsets, to refresh them mentally, uh, the better it's gonna go. Um, in that example, actually, what they ended up having their attendees do was go from the main sessions to breakout rooms. And in the breakout rooms, then they have that interaction with each other. It's a yeah. whole new space. It's a new section in the agenda. Um, it's a different format. It has interactivity. They're able to generate ideas, work together, and then they can come back and they had the uh, moderators from those breakout rooms then share the group's results, which, mm -hmm. you know, this is standard breakout stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you have to still apply those same things to the virtual space. You can't just keep it as a webinar of talking heads for three to four hours. Uh, mm -hmm. No one's gonna enjoy it. And you're gonna see exactly what we talked about earlier, a lot of drop off, a lot of disengagement, a lot of people just becoming attenuated to this and relaxing into that lowest common entry barrier of kind of tuning out, maybe starting to put other things up. Well, I, you know what I like about that example specifically from this client is they really, they not only did they have the breakout sessions, but they mixed people up as well, which I think is smart because it really challenges people to then like come to the table. Like if you're in a small inclusive group and you don't necessarily know intimately the other people, you kind of have to make an effort. And I think it's challenging people to then really participate and get involved, which is which is incredibly smart. I really like that example. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about example number two. So we're in the educational sector here. It was an external audience, and there's a lot been said about content and speakers, it feels like, and the emphasis on those. And that's so true, we couldn't agree more, and hopefully you're enjoying what we're saying right now. But it also matters. I think it really comes together when you have a great tool, an engaging tool, to combine with that. And I think people are just, like we said, getting tired of the webinar. Having small things like typing really helps. So talk to us about this example, combining great speakers and content with a great tool. Uh, we've all been to a conference that doesn't have a great speaker. Um, yeah. In fact, fair to say most speakers are um, excellent at what their role is, but they are not hired as public speakers. So there's often just an inherent struggle. That's why 
at almost every event, every conference, everything you do, there is a guest speaker who is a paid professional speaker. And theirs is usually uh, at the beginning, end, uh, and it's used to generate interest, to get people trained. Um, again, those same principles apply. Having guest speakers, engaging good speakers, uh, especially right out the gate, uh, is gonna boost the energy level in your event. That's something we've seen in multiple events. Um, and it's it's probably more of a struggle for events that are actually utilizing internal audiences. You know, We've seen with an external audience, you really want to drive interest. So you'll be bringing in external speakers a lot more frequently. Yeah. Um, just in the example that we're kind of chatting about right now, but across the board. Internally, it's much more um, focused or driven on a yeah. specific internal metric. Right. And you're not pulling in that uh, that guest talent. Uh, and that's well, just- Well, you're not. It's difficult to keep it fresh, right? Internally, for sure. Yes, especially yeah, I mean, if they're in person. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So this, so external audience, this nonprofit, um, how did they how did they combine the two then the the speaker and the tool how did that work well so a speaker will only gets you so far um, but at the end of the day a talking head no matter how engaging is still going to be a talking head uh, yeah. so it's really about someone who can utilize the tools that are available um, this speaker spent a lot of time on the platform uh, and wanted to be really familiar with it because they actually wanted to run their own slides run their own presentation, um, run their own polling, and moderate their own Q&A. Uh, and I thought that was really ambitious. I had never had a speaker <laughs> asked to do that before. Um, but it was arguably uh, not just because they were good on their own, but because they were so heavily involved and interacted with it, and they were so good at their job already that they were able to do all these things, and it came off flawlessly. Um, so when they're in charge of running their polls, they're seeing the results, there's no delay, they know what the time um, you know, signal from beginning to end is, uh, they're able to moderate their own questions and then directly comment and almost talk to people. Like it just makes for, I hope you can imagine, I mean, I was a little thrilled watching it, just knowing what they were doing and seeing everything, not only in front of me, but on the back end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was really cool. And the response was phenomenal. Uh, it's, so exactly it's really that it's, it's that quickness. It's removing that those number of steps between the audience and the speaker, but really also about having the facility within the tool to let that audience show their appreciation, right? Whether it be clapping, Q and A, whatever that polling, whatever that looks like, having it really run smoothly, reducing the number of touch points between the speaker and the audience, because let's be honest virtually speakers still like to have that confirmation right they like they build off that energy from the audience and that confirmation yeah. okay cool cool let's move on because i know we're getting close so example number three a tech company external audience now the good side of this was getting people in early uh, and having stuff for them to do when they got in and the bad side is getting people in early but not having stuff for them to do or content to, so to, just talk to us i mean i've kind of given the game away but Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what does it mean? Get people in early and be ready for them. Um, so I would equate to uh, just, again, that old way of thinking. Um, you know, the event's not starting until you have your live content. And so we send out invites. We get people on the platform. Nothing happens for one, two, three weeks. 
Uh, and then we have the live and we expect them to just jump in and be engaged. The reality is as soon as people get on the platform, that's when your event is started. Just like you wouldn't invite people to start come to your event and come into the conference room when you're still setting up tables. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So really need to have uh, a whole plan to support your events. Again, the moment they arrive on your platform, your event has effectively started. And your goal is to now keep them engaged. What I've seen, uh, I had a company that launched, uh, I think it was three weeks early. They had great content. Um, they had it actually coordinated from their social media where they knew timings. They had stuff coming out every two or three days. Uh, they had a lot of engagement then. Um, and we saw energy continue to build as they kept releasing more things and they kept building it up until their live uh, talks. Those were sort of the, you know, accumulation of three works worth of effort. Uh, but what I see a lot of the time, um, arguably even more, is that old mindset of we launch it, but then it doesn't need to have anything you know, for another week or two. And then it's only when it's live that it's started. If that's when it's starting, you've already missed it. You've lost a lot of momentum. Right. You've lost yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, pro the problem with that is then you set the tone, right? You've, you've announced mm -hmm. to people that you don't have this mindset and this preparation ready because like you say the virtual environment once you're in it's there like people have an expectation there you have to think that people are logging into like netflix they're logging into who knows what and watching on-demand stuff all the time they have this they you know they're logging into linkedin and things are updating all the time so people have this ingrained um kind of expectation that things are going to be there and ready for them and um so it makes a ton of sense. And then on the other side, not having that, okay, yeah, that's fine. But but at the same time, you're missing an opportunity, right? Like you said, people mm -hmm. are not engaging and then it's hard to recover. Because we've that's seen that, right? It's hard to recover. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We definitely have audiences who just struggle. Um, and think of maybe an event that you've gone to. If you do go a couple days early, having not been in conference rooms and breakouts, you know, networking with other people, doing mixers for two or three days and just being in like hotel space mentally uh, has you at a totally different place when the conference actually starts because then you have to make a mental switch. Uh, when yep. you drop into an event and it starts off right away, there's things going on, there's rooms to go to, there's breakouts, you know, which is very standard from the old event world. Um, that's just a whole different level of engagement. You hit the ground running instead of having to try to get back up to speed. And that's a loss that we see again and again. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, example number four, we're in the educational sector, uh, external audience. Um, what I love about this example, it's a bit essentially making a dedicated space for very focused conversations. Um, but talk to us about how this goes well and maybe how this goes bad. So I guess ultimately what we're talking about here is how we're utilizing the space that we're in, right? Um, and I feel like the example you're talking about, if it's the same one I'm thinking of, are we're looking at feeds primarily, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. So I think, uh, a lot of the points that we're talking about just keep kind of building on each other. Um, so 
this is a social media space. You know, uh, that's, I think, the first thing we mentioned in this talk. That means we need to treat it as such. We can't treat it as a conference room. We can't treat it as a hotel. This is a social media platform. And that means people, like you were just saying, have a certain expectation for on-demand and engagement. If you're on you know, some platform, whatever it is, Facebook, LinkedIn, anything, and you send a message, the longer the time goes from when you get a response, the more disheartened you feel and the less engagement you have. You know, We've all posted something on Facebook and there's nothing more exciting than getting 30 likes right away uh, and seeing three of your family members shared it um, and two of them are arguing with you, even if you disagree or don't, uh, that keeps you in the platform and that makes you want to share more and do more. And what happens is needing to have energy built into these feeds. That means we need to direct people on where it's appropriate to make comments, where these designated spaces are. So that way they understand how to be comfortable in them. And then we have to give them a good response rate so we keep them engaged with the platform. Again, these are all social media ideas, but the spaces that we choose and the topics that's for them, uh, in this case specifically, they had dedicated feeds set up around a couple different ideas. And they had people manning those feeds, regularly responding to people's comments, liking posts, sharing them, asking follow-up questions that kept yeah. the energy going. And what I've seen more often actually uh, is just have one generic feed or maybe two generic feeds at most. And again, the keyword there is generic because we're not telling people what to do or how to utilize this space. People end up not knowing how to use it. They don't know what to do. So they yeah. just don't engage, you know? Um, so the well, more we can do, right? Well, they do, which is what we were talking about earlier in the week where people engage in generic posts, yeah. but quickly it becomes like a support channel and it distracts, it sets the tone and it distracts the whole audience from the intent of that feed and discussion in the first place. So yeah, yeah I know you've spoken about that. The, the other thing that I think is interesting from our talks this week is, is the fact that I think when it comes to virtual events, our, the, the clients that some of the clients we speak to are struggling with this concept of appropriately manning the, their virtual event. And, and I, I wonder if it's because people are still thinking in that webinar format. They have the speakers. Uh, I mean, I guess they're thinking in the conference room format, right? You have your speaker at the front who pretty much does everything and you lock the doors and hopefully you don't lock the doors, but you shut the doors and people are in the room and you kind of leave the speaker to it. And it's the same with the webinar. You're kind of doing the same thing really, but to really drive engagement, you need to take it a step further and think about how to man the whole experience, which is your point, right? Is if you don't do that, that's where you don't get the results. And we've seen that time and time again. Absolutely. Um, again, driving home really important points, you know, this old mindset of, when people first walk into that, you know, first room where everything's set up 15 minutes, maybe at most 30 minutes before the presenter goes on. Um, and they're sort of passively sitting there and the only things you need to worry about team, maybe, uh, you know, a booth out in the main area and then the speaker. That doesn't exist anymore. Again, we need to borrow from the tools that social media has been utilizing and perfecting for well over a decade, two decades. Uh, and that's, yeah having regular content 
And that means having regular staffing. Um, so if you're not going to be actively engaged or have people who are dedicated to promoting engagement at an event, the second best thing you can do, um, and what I've, the way I've seen it, at least two clients actually this last week really compensate for that, they didn't have the staffing. You know, um, Sometimes it's just the nature of events. Yep. Yep. But they compensated for it by actually utilizing scheduled feed posts. Ah. Nice. Uh, and the media department to create feed posts, to create notifications, to help create the illusion of energy and, and help guide people through yeah. the event having to be managed. Now, yeah. one in particular I'm thinking of, it, it had a great staff and we saw great results. It was the event that uh, we just did that was scheduled. It was almost as good as having dedicated staff. So you can yeah. get away with a virtual having less um, and utilizing like those tools. But in a social media department, they'll have posts scheduled two or three weeks in advance. Yeah, I really I know. Think, yeah, I think that's really key. Like if you can't manage, schedule it. I like that. Now let's move on because we have one more example I want to get through really quickly uh, and before we're out of time. So example five, professional services company, internal audience, you have 20 seconds. Describe the good and the bad of this. Uh, so this one, uh, this really utilized gamification. Um, and gamification can be a double-edged sword. Uh, I think, you know, we think it's the answer to all engagement to make it fun and to have people get points. Uh, but ultimately, it only hits a certain amount of buttons. And as we've talked about, it's about how much work you put into it and how open-ended that is. Again, if you're thinking of a virtual space, a game where you can play it and beat it in 10 or 15 minutes, just by setting up your profile or having a checklist, everyone has 50 points at the end. That's not very fun. So gamification on its own isn't the answer. Uh, in this specific example, um, they initially used it very poorly for a previous event. So they were kind of reluctant to try it again because it got a poor response. It took one look at it to say that, look, it's a utilization issue. We need to find different ways to hit people's buttons. Those buttons can't stop. Um, you know, these are dopamine receptors. We need to have ways that they can continue to gain points that's gonna drive competitiveness. Uh, you yep. need to give awards at the end to help motivate people and give them a reason. And, 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 nice and, right, and critically announce them and be very visible in your announcement so that people really feel like it's a serious competition. One of the things I love about this is like, they were sending like, reminders ahead of time that the countdowns almost to get people really focused but i think it's that not limiting the number of points so people can really excel or separate from the pack because like we discussed right if you have like a 40-way tie for the winner kind of loses its meaning to be honest with you so yeah um cool good stuff now we had a couple of questions come in i want to just skip over um do you have an uh anna maria is asking do we have any examples from hybrid events Completely honest, we do not right now. It's not something we're, we're, we're servicing right now. We've seen a bit of interest come in, but I think just globally, people are in a halfway house right now. So when we get them, we'll definitely share them. There was another question from um, Jonathan asking about, are the installments on demand afterwards? Yes, they are. Um, you can just sign in with your regular access. I'll be sending out an email tomorrow for you to access the on demand, but definitely they're they're all on the website. You can sign up for free and access them whenever you like. That's it for this week. Thank you to my guest, Michael Shirillo, for joining us with all your fabulous examples.
And thank you to everybody. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to everybody watching live and on demand. That's been the weekly show. Next week, tune in, and we're talking about live, simulive, or pre-recorded. Catch us then. Thank you.